This show may contain strong language and sexual content. If you're a minor looking for information or help without all the grown-up stuff, visit our website at mygayagendapodcast.com for resources. This episode contains discussion of sex repulsion, exclusion from queer spaces, and also there's some text tones that pop up like three times, just FYI, if you're like, oh, is that my phone? It's not, it's the recording. It also contains discussions about the LGBTQIA community, but you probably figured that out already. It's right in the title. Monday, we're super gay. Tuesday is also gay. Wednesday is still pretty gay. And Thursday, I have a night class. Friday, we continue to be gay. Saturday is the gayest day. Sunday, yeah, it's still gay, but we also record a podcast. Hello and welcome to My Gay Agenda, an investigative podcast where we interview the queer community and plan our world domination. My name is Jay. My name is CJ and we are here to discuss whatever it is that cishet people think it is that we're doing. Uh, but CJ, what's on the buy schedule for today? We're talking to my friend Jacqueline and then we're going to play a game. Continuing from inside of our homes. (laughs) 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 Hello, Jacqueline. Hi! How's it going? Uh, it's going. Uh, I think this is day <laughs> 50 of self-isolation by myself. So mm. things have been going better. But realistically, all things considered, things could be much worse as well. So, um, you know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was texting my grandfather yesterday and I was like, oh, how are you and my mom doing? And he was like, we're good, but we're bored. And I'm like... Yeah, board's sort of the best case scenario here, TBH. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we all have a right to complain a bunch right now, but... Yes. <laughs> let's also take stock. <laughs> Some might have a bit more to complain about than others. Yes. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little about you, Jacqueline. Yeah, so um, I am, I guess, starting the last year of my PhD in social psychology Ooh. at the University of Western Ontario. Uh, I study social psychology, uh, specifically the psychology of gender, um, pre- usually in the context of feminist activism, but also gender diversity and um, sexuality diversity. And I am also just like a regular person, like the rest of the people <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I also do regular stuff too. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, I've been so interested in your um, journey as a, um, like, in your academic studies, particularly in regards to gender diversity, specifically because, um, I mean, I, I had a minor in psychology in college, which, like, compared to getting a PhD in the subject is, like, absolutely nothing. <laughs> but um, my experience in regards to psychology and learning about it in an academic setting it was very, very, very cisnormative. Ooh. So I don't know what your experience has been like if you, because like you specifically mentioned, gender diversity is something that you're, um, is in your studies. So I would love to hear about that. So yes, psychology is certainly very cisnormative. Um, it's also very androcentric. Uh, if you look mm. at the original psychology studies, all of them were conducted on men and not just men, but white men. Um, highly educated men uh, and men who took psychology classes, which is 
certainly not representative of how all people think and experience the world and work through things. And so um, while certainly psychology does have a cis-hetero, andro and Eurocentric aspect to it, uh, it makes it very easy to walk in and do research that's not like that because we still have so many questions that need to be answered. Um, And people, while there is quite a bit of a pushback to Uh, exploring things differently, there is also kind of a subset of psychology researchers, and particularly feminist psychology researchers, that that are very open and very warm and accepting to these ideas and want to learn more about all of the different ways that these things can be experienced. Um, And kind of in the way of allowing people to share their own experiences, it does kind of the work of feminism to uproot some of these structures that uphold patriarchal norms and expectations in academia. So by by studying feminist topics, we're doing feminist work. And so it's been really actually a very positive experience. And so for me, what it looks like to study gender diversity means allowing non-binary people to participate in studies if they would like to. Go figure. It means being deliberate about recruiting non-binary participants. And it means that recognizing that trans participants, uh, trans like women who are trans and non-binary folks are going to have different experiences than people who are cis. And that's good. That's not a bad thing. Those are experiences that we need to hear and understand, particularly as our kind of scientific understanding of what gender is becomes bigger and broader. It's not just transphobic or kind of, you know, backwards to not study these things. It's actually bad science. So Mm. I think it's very important. Um, Fortunately, I have, you know, not initially, perhaps there was a bit of pushback at first, but I've found people and researchers and, um, academic activities that have allowed me to um, amplify perspectives of people who are trans and non-binary. And not only is that work important, but it's good. So I, it's, it's worked for me. Um, I like it a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. I'm so excited to hear about the um, slow but sure progress that is being made in a uh, less normative direction because yeah you are absolutely correct that like so like so many of the psychology studies that like much of psychology depends on now is based on the cis male cis white males like a very 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 niche specific experience yeah and Um, i don't know if you folks are familiar with this and i won't go off on too much of a tangent about this but there is this replication crisis happening in social psychology in particular right now where people are trying to kind of go back to old studies and do them again. And if they don't get the same results, it's like, oh, that was bad science. You know, everything was fabricated. Everything was wrong. It's like, actually, now you just have people that aren't white men in the study. So mm. things are going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> it's like wild. Would you believe social psychology is different? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what's unbelievable to me. It's like, we understand, we as a field study the way that social context shifts and changes our experiences of the world. And yet, we're shocked, truly baffled by the fact that our psychology is different in different 
time periods. Like, it's just completely <laughs> ridiculous to me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so I'd love to talk about your own experience, Jacqueline. Um, uh, if you want to lead us on your queer journey. Yes. Um, so my sexual identity is uh, demisexual with no specific kind of gender orientation. Uh, and it's taken quite a while for me to recognize that. Um, and I think I'm still kind of grappling with what that means, particularly as, um, you know, as I traverse through different experiences throughout the course of my life. And as I learn more about gender and I meet different people of different genders and people who have no gender, like it it all just becomes more and more complicated. But um, from the time that I was young, like once I started learning about sex and, you know, attraction, I always had kind of crushes, but I never, it never was anything more than that. Um, like it, I was never sexually attracted to people. And even, you know, I knew I wanted to have intimate relationships with people, but the idea of like the actual process of sexuality was very, um, unappealing to me to the point where, um, like I wore a purity ring for several years simply because I didn't want people to think that I wanted to have sex with them. Um, (laughs) And like did a relatable content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like literally same. I don't know how to make you recognize that I don't want to have sex with you, except here is a ring on my finger that says, under no circumstances will I be having sex with you, um, you know, in in a consensual way. And hopefully in a not in a non-consensual way either, but like this isn't something that I wanted. And so I kind of you know, I, I bought into that for a little while. I was also, you know, interested in religion, not like super religious. Um, but I was like, okay, that's just my identity. I'm just abstinent. But then I started dating someone and like, I, you know, I'd been dating them for almost two years at that point. And I, like everyone around me was basically like, well, when are you, when are you going to have sex with this person? And I was like, oh my, oh, right. I need to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so not interested in that um and then even then once I did do it I was like wow that like that kind of sucks um (laughs) (laughs) I knew I didn't want that and I was right and uh you know I use the label demisexual because I can't imagine um a situation where that might be the kind of relationship that I would want uh And I do, you know, I can see myself experiencing sexual attraction, but certainly not outside of a relationship where, um, where I'm getting something more out of it. Like the the concept of being attracted to someone that I don't have a sort of intimacy and trust with, um, is kind of like disgusting to me, um, And I always knew that I had had these experiences and these attitudes about sex. And then um, I attended a conference uh, in 2018 and one of the speakers identified as demisexual and she explained what that was. And I was like, oh my God, well, like that is what I am. That makes perfect (laughs) sense. I didn't, I didn't know there was a term for it. And, you know, I hesitated then to 
kind of embrace it. And I've like Googled so many times, like, how do you know if you're demisexual? And like, can, are you queer? Uh, yes. The, yeah. The Google search. <laughs> demisexuality quiz. And like, I've asked my queer friends, I'm like, am I queer if I'm demisexual? Like, am I, am I part of this? Am I, am I not part of this? Because like, because I'm not thinking about sexual attraction, sure, I could see myself having the potential to be attracted to people of any gender, of no gender. Gender is fake. Gender is a made-up thing. Gender is <laughs> means different things to different people. Who am I to say I'm attracted to one gender versus another because I don't know what gender means to different people. Um, so it's like as I have learned more I recognize that that is what I am and like I but I still don't know where I fit within the queer community because Mm. I'm not asexual um but and I'm not like proudly pan or bi or anything I'm just kind of here um (laughs) right and it like and again uh it doesn't make my life terrifically difficult except dating is a very complicated and confusing and bad experience for the most part Mm. because it's it's very difficult to explain to someone like well you know I might maybe at some point want to have sex with you but I'm not sure when (laughs) no promises (laughs) yeah so so yeah I, I would say that's kind of where I'm at um even up to and including today I I was like do I have a right to be on here um you know, am I, do I have a specific gay agenda? Am I, do I fall under the umbrella category of queer, gay, LGBT? Like, am I here? I don't know. So that's where we're at today. Right. (laughs) Well, guess what? You literally are here. (laughs) Yeah, you made it. I did it. (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, I'll definitely be the first to say that, like, a lot of the language surrounding this podcast specifically is like, oh, well, what what do cis-hit people think it is that we're doing? And it's like, there are people who are cisgender, who are heterosexual, but are on the ace spectrum, and we've got that A in LGBTQIA mm. for a reason. So, like, you're in. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain. You're in. Um, but also, this reminds me so much of... Um, there's, uh, oh, Jacqueline, you were there when I bought this book, uh, Queer Graphic History. It was back on Penn's campus. We went in that bookstore. That was a good day. <laughs> that was a good day. Um, but anyway, so it reminds me of that book. Like, in the beginning of the book, they're talking about, like, the concept of labeling. And they're, like, they're, there's a lot of people who, um, are, like, have queer experiences who are, like, well, are we just putting ourselves into more boxes by, like, mm. obsessing over, like, what labels we're using? And, like, if we fit into this label or this umbrella at, like, and pushing out people who don't fit this exact criterion. And it's, like, on the one hand, labels can be very helpful and important. Um, but then on the other hand, it can cause this exact confusion that we're talking about. Mm. So at the end of the day, like... There's a lot about labels and boxes and things like that that are really personal. So I don't, I don't yeah. know if it's just a matter of, well, do you feel queer? <laughs> but I think yeah. that's kind of it, honestly. 
And I have found the queer community in general, like, I, f I feel that I connect better with queer people. I feel that, you know, when I, when I go to Pride, I do feel accepted. However, I certainly do understand the importance of gatekeeping safe spaces and, you know, safe communities. And so I, I am just very nervous about appropriating myself into spaces where I'm not welcome. So I feel like I tread lightly because I would be okay if somebody said, and I like, I would understand if somebody were like, actually, you're not, <laughs> you're not welcome here because it, because those spaces do need to be safe. And I understand that, you know, being a heterosexual person, potentially whatever that means, as someone who is who has the ability to be attracted to men in a space where that is perhaps not welcome. Like I, I get why people might not want that. Well, I mean, there's such a, a uh, there's such discourse <laughs> uh, about like the ace spectrum and demisexuality. And it's like, I've, I've been caught in, I guess the sidelines. I try to keep myself from getting in it because I only have so much energy of like my ace mm. friends where I have ace friends who are like, um, cis het aligned ace people are not queer and they're ace. So it's like, they can say that about themselves, but then I have other ace friends who feel very strongly that they are queer. And it's like, why are we viewing queerness as another binary option? Why is it yes mm. or no? Why is it like a, a black or white issue? Why can't we just all recognize that if we feel queer, we're queer, and then recognize our space and privilege in that umbrella? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, uh, I definitely do not want anybody to feel as though, like, if they're being excluded from a space and they feel excluded, that that feeling of disappointment of being excluded isn't valid. Um, but, like, I know for myself personally, like, I am non-binary and I am queer, but, like, there are, the, there are a lot of privileges that I have and I do my best to recognize where, like, uh, for example, there's a lot of different groups that are specifically for um, people of color mm. who are queer and transgender. And, like, there is not a space for me there. I will not try to, act uh, like, put myself in that space. Even as somebody who tries to be an accomplice, that simply is not a space for me. So, like, it's important for us to recognize um, our privileges and um, how those impact our uh, queer experiences while also recognizing that like it, it's like how before we were talking about like with self self-isolation there it could be way worse but we could still complain a little yeah exactly it could it's be way worse but we could still complain a little for for the longest <laughs> time i wouldn't allow myself into trans spaces partially because i'm still trying to figure this shit out <laughs> mm. um but it's like, I've come to the conclusion, it's like, well, I'm definitely not cis. However, I do still um, pass as my assigned gender, whether I want to or not. And therefore, I don't experience a lot of transphobia because people are just like, ah, uh, this woman. And I'm like, mm, sure. Um, so it's like, I'm... I allow myself now into trans spaces. I've given myself that grace. However, if a discussion starts in a small circle of trans folks about, like, the transphobia they faced in a social situation, I am going to take a step back. Because I, I, that is still, you know, I still have the ex that experience. It's still me. And, but 
maybe I have a little less to say in that specific conversation. And that's fine. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yep, yep, yep. Because different people are going to have different experiences. Who would have even thought it? (laughs) (laughs) But gosh, demisexuality is such a hard one, too, because as somebody who has identified still kind of does as demisexual... It's such a hard one to explain to people who don't experience it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I find that even within academic circles, like, there is queer methodologies and, you know, identifying yourself as a queer researcher um, has benefits as far as the research that's being conducted. You know, you can connect with queer people better and um, there are just certain uh, spaces for queer academics. But even when I list like my social location, when I explain myself as a researcher to people, like my degree of sexuality is never something that we discuss. And particularly as someone who has had countless experiences of sexual harassment and kind of uh, sexual objectification in academic spaces, I try Mm. not to bring sexuality into the conversation at all because I don't want people to think anything about who I am attracted to or me outside of an academic context. And so as someone Mm. who's really like been just entrenched in academia for the last five years, it feels like my sexual identity has kind of been erased um, because I don't want people to think about me sexually um, at all ever. So, but, and I think some of that is also intertwined with the fact that I don't want people to think about me at all ever sexually in general, but it's, um, It's just a very, very complicated space to be in. And, you know, the the kind of sex that I might maybe at some point in my life be interested in is um, it's really not a topic that's appropriate to have conversations about. Um, Like even I have a pretty public Twitter presence and literally not ever one single time have I mentioned the fact that I am that I identify as demisexual or that I have the potential to be attracted to people of different genders like it's just something that I haven't ever brought up because it's complicated (laughs) oh I get that in the ideal world who we want to have sex with or date isn't something that would come up in like a professional the the average professional or academic environment however it is something that we're discriminated against for so it's like Okay, well, uh, like, this is something that you need to consider, but also, why do I have to talk about this right now? (laughs) Yeah. Why do I have, like, for me, I'm like, why do I have to talk about my bisexuality in a work environment? Like, this, this is nothing. (laughs) And, you know, Jay mentioned the concept of passing. Like, I so easily, so easily, in, across the spectrum, I would say I am able to pass as someone who is like quote unquote normal, right? Um, you know, I I date men. Um, I don't post about sexuality, but no one in my field is posting about like their sexual experiences online. Um, you know, mm. you published a paper, then I had great sex. Like that just doesn't. That's <laughs> that's me not as an academic. Part of it. <laughs> it's not part of the conversation in generally uh, uh, in general rather. And, like, even in my first academic paper, um, I published uh, in Psycho Women Quarterly, and I had to list my social location. Like, I had to explain who I am as a researcher, and I identified myself as heterosexual. So even if people were, you know, interested in 
you know, what kind of sexuality, what kind of sexual identity I have, they could go into that paper and they would just see that I'm heterosexual and they would know nothing about the demisexuality component of it because it's just not even something mm. that we discuss. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so this is usually the part of the show where I ask what you'd want to tell cishet folks for the very last time and then you never have to hear about it again. As for our conversation, I think it would be more applicable to say, what is something you would like to tell people about demisexuality and then you never have to hear about it again? Um, sex and intimacy are not the same thing. Um, and there are ways to be intimate without um, putting your genitals in another person. Bless. <laughs> Bless. Thank you. <laughs> I'm seeing some strong J feelings over here. <laughs> I just don't get it. Like that feels yucky, but I would love I would love to have a really deep conversation with you and like maybe touch fingertips while we do it. Like that feels <sighs> sensual to me, or like I'll touch the top of your head, um, you know, stroke your hair, stuff like that. But we don't uh, talk enough about sensuality versus sexuality because sensuality um, is highly underrated. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I've read uh, pretty extensively about the phenomenon of skin hunger and how it is that we crave kind of the gentle caresses. But these aren't things that we discuss because we get so lost in the kind of um, fabulousness and grandness of sex. But that's not, that's an act. It's not you know, getting to the heart of what it means to be connected to another person. To me, at least, that's been my experience. Um, sure, yeah. And I, I think we should bring that back. We should um, definitely have more sensuality. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about yeah. that. Yes. Can I just say skin hunger? What a horrifying name for a lovely concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Melissa Flabello has written about it. She did her dissertation on the phenomenon of skin hunger, particularly in women with a history of eating disorders. And like that, I am a person with a history of an eating disorder. And the concept of uh, kind of increased skin hunger, the, the, the wanting to be intimate with people, but not um, in a way that feels unsafe is uh, that's something that is very, very real for me. Um, I, I like read her whole dissertation. Uh, it was very long, but it was very worth it. Um, and, and because it just resonated with me so strongly. I think that, like, uh, a lot of the reason why we don't see, like, a recognition of sensu uh, sensuality as, as its own thing is because people see it as foreplay to the eventual yes. sex. Like, it is mm -hmm. a step on a journey that has a set uh, destination. And it's like, that's not what the experience has to look like and it's not what it needs to look like every single time yeah and it's mm -hmm. it's been very complicated for me with partners because it's like I get that sensuality I I you know I I have the intimate moments with people and then they always expect it to be something else at the end like to the point where I know where it's going and that panics me like I get so nervous about it that then I don't even get the opportunity to enjoy the part of it that I do like and so I would love for that kind of conversation to change. And I understand that in some communities that those conversations are happening more regularly. Like I, the more and more I hear about like the BDSM community and kink communities, I, um, I hear about consent and asking and being okay with boundaries and things. And that's just certainly not been the experience that I've had. Um, 
I don't see myself entering those spaces. I don't think that that's right for me, but um, I would love it if some of the conversation around consent and and questions were more normative in, you know, everyday, I mean, maybe not everyday, but someday <laughs> sexual <laughs> interactions. <laughs> oh, no, vanilla communities could take a page from... Uh kink community books certainly by just incorporating the idea of like negotiation because Mm. negotiation before um any kind of interpersonal non-platonic experience uh Mm -hmm. is a great way to make sure great way to make sure that everybody is going in knowing the other person's desires and expectations um because it doesn't have to be like and then a blindfold happens. It can just be like, this is what I like. This is something I would like to incorporate. How do you feel about that? Oh, you don't like that? We don't have to do that. It's talking. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Communication. What a concept. Yeah. Uh, so, Jacqueline, what is on your gay agenda? My gay agenda is to make people recognize and appreciate the glorious mosaic of different sexual identities and gender identities out there um, and to reduce stigma and discrimination towards the queer community and the the transgender community and non-binary community as well. Beautiful. I love that. (laughs) I don't even have anything to add. (laughs) No, that's just lovely. Spot on, you did it. (laughs) I'm trying. (laughs) Good good job with words. Uh, cool. So, Jay, want to lead us in a game? All right. Hello, it's me, Jay, the campy counselor, with the game of the day, uh, which I call Demi Demigods. All right. Because sometimes I can only come up with one idea, so I just chase it full force. <laughs> <laughs> so, I uh, I compiled a, list, a short quiz about demigods in Greek myth. <laughs> Sorry, Jacqueline just tilted her head and raised her eyebrows like, oh! <laughs> I'm going to be so bad at this. I promise. I'm I'm a very smart person. I know that I'm a smart person. I know nothing about this topic. <laughs> I, I hope I made an accessible version of this. Um, as always, though, the quiz portion is really just creating a platform for us to s- discuss uh, which mythological figures are queer as hell. So that's that's the yeah. that's the that's focus usually the here. Um, yeah, the points don't matter. The points don't matter. Also, CJ is your lifeline, uh, and I know that they know the answer to at least uh, two of these. So, <laughs> oh, I'm so nervous that I'll know none of them. No, you, you decidedly <laughs> will. But <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay, here. How about I? Uh, yeah. All right. I'm gonna start with maybe a, a more obscure one, but. Hopefully the hints help. Okay. Okay. Technically, being the son of an Ariad and a human still makes you a demigod, such as the case for this hero of the Trojan War and Great Warrior, has a tendon in the leg named after him, though famously that is not the part of his foot that was his weakness. Also him and Patroclus were super in love. I know. I think I know. Is it Achilles? It is Achilles. See, you're nailing it already. Oh, God bless. Yeah, I, that Achilles heel gets you every time. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Achilles. Again, so we just discussed how if, like, you know, if you feel queer, you queer. Uh, 
they're mythological characters. They're not here to tell so us. It's okay. So we're allowed to speculate. Achilles gay? <laughs> I can only think of the movie Troy. I feel like Achilles is hiding something. Like I feel I'm I feel that there's a lot of repression there. Um mm. and I think that with the right kind of supportive community, I think that he might feel comfortable coming out. But there's definitely something underneath that. So you're telling me that the Achilles heel his heel is his weakness because that's where all the internalized homophobia is stored. That is precisely what I'm saying. I'm so glad that I was able to articulate that. <laughs> we solved it. We solved it. Are you ready for your next question? Yeah, bring it. All right, it's less a question, I guess. But uh, in some versions of the myth, he is a child of Poseidon. In others, he is the result of Zeus, Poseidon, and Hermes peeing on some bullhide. Greek myth is wild. Either way, he is a demigod and one of the most famous hunters. The gods placed him in the stars as a constellation, as well as his dog, but most people can usually only find his belt. Ooh. Are we, are we playing read into that? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> that is our, the big hint in it, yes. Well, well, yes. is there a question in there? I don't think I got the question. Uh, who is it? <laughs> Oh, Orion. Orion! Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> See, you're nailing us. Definitely so, queer. Yeah. Where are the rest of his clothes? Mm. No one can Good find point. them. <laughs> also, we love to accessorize, so. That's true. Fair. Yes. Fair. All right. Two for two in terms of correct answers and queer myths. You're giving me a lot of context. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Like I said, as soon as I came up with this concept, I'm like, well, I have to make sure it's not, like, ridiculous. I just played uh, trivia with my friends last night, and there was a section on Greek mythology, and the 100-point question was to name all 13 gods in the Pantheon. (sighs) That's bad. Rough. That's rough. <laughs> like, here's the thing. Why are we doing this? I'm pretty sure the Pantheon, like, changes sometimes to- I don't know. Okay. Greek myth yep, is a mess. That was, that was something discussed. <sighs> okay. Are you ready for your third uh, demigod? Yeah, sure. Alright. Demigod son of an actual muse. This fellow is known for being an amazing musician and the ultimate wife guy. He travels down to the underworld to re- rescue her, but dang, does he biff it. Here's where I would make a Hades Town reference, but that's CJ's bag. Is it? Who is oh. it? I guess it's not Hades, right? No. Oh no. You can call on uh, your lifeline. CJ is like oh, bursting CJ, at the seams CJ, right CJ, now. CJ. I pick CJ. It's Orpheus. It's oh. Orpheus. Yeah, it. Amer- <laughs> national himbo icon, Orpheus. <laughs> How could I be so silly? <laughs> Orpheus. Queer? I feel like I need to let CJ take this one. It's tough because. Orpheus is my gender, but I don't know if that means that he is queer himself. Mm. It just means I want to be him, um, particularly in the context of Hades Town. Good lord! Can I posit that he yes. himself may not be queer, but as you said, like you know, himbo extreme. Um, I'd like to think he's like an ally. Yes. I mean, in Hades Town, he is just trying to do his damn thing and accidentally starts a labor union. So, <laughs> as you do, 
As you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so he strikes me as ally giving it his gosh darndest. I support that. I love a good ally. I'm doing a study right now about men who identify as feminists and how um, how they are leveraging their privilege for the sake of benefiting the movement. So I am all, I'm mm-hmm. here for allies right now. Hell yeah. All right. Orpheus, ally extreme. All right. <laughs> Fourth demigod. He was arguably born twice, but one of those times was to Zeus and a mortal woman, making him a demigod. However, he wasn't a demigod for too long, actually becoming a full god TM. And not only that, but the full god of theater, wine, and generally having a good time. Who is it? Uh, Theater, wine, and good time? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I want to know, though. Would Seems like, like Michael, don't worry. Line? I know for sure. <laughs> okay. I, oh, I, can I call on CJ again? I pick yeah. CJ again. Dionysus. Dionysus. Wine. Yes. Right. Gosh, sorry. I have not <laughs> thought about any of this stuff in so long. What a refresher. It's fine. Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just couldn't think of many other things to go off of uh, Debbie Sexual when I made this game. <laughs> No, this is fun. I like it. <laughs> this is um, this is a good time to reflect on everybody who um, was queer when they were a kid, but they didn't know that they were queer, so instead they obsessed over Greek mythology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a good time to reflect on, I salute you all. You're out there doing the Lord's work. Look, I was that closeted queer kid who was so into polytheistic uh, study that in uh, yes. high school I went on Gaia Online with uh. my friends and we put together a role play where we smashed together a bunch of pantheons and had like the different gods interacting yes. and fighting yes. and flirting yes. and it yes. was yes. wild. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ah, yes. Yes. Oh, love it. That's anyway, amazing. does is Dionysus gay? I think Dionysus has certainly had gay experiences. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like when it comes to someone who I love and respect that much, I feel like I don't want to make any sort of guesses or assumptions. I would love to have a conversation with Dionysus and have them tell me. Mm. My thoughts are, so there's two options here. I feel like Dionysus is either uh, the person who, like, in the conventional sense, would otherwise identify as queer but just instead identifies as i'm having a good time yeah (laughs) or dionysus is a theater gay who's obsessed with dear evan hansen no 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 i'm vetoing that one (laughs) valid i'm vetoing that one i forgot that you hate dear evan hansen right is that you cj i'm i'm not into dear evan hansen i don't have enough knowledge of dear evan hansen to fully hate it but i certainly I'll, am not interested in it i'll claim what that was title the, <laughs> didn't you just do a, like a four o'clock um show that of, was next to normal oh mm. which yes i do hate but mm. anyway we don't have to discuss that here those are just my feelings <laughs> that's fine you're allowed to have feelings um uh, all i will say <laughs> uh, <laughs> All I'll say on that is Alice Ripley's voice on that soundtrack is so fucking weird. <laughs> it, oh, it's impossible to listen yeah. to. 
It's almost like if you blow out your voice with a bunch of cocaine and then keep getting cast in roles where you have to belt, there's going to be some strain. There's going to be some problems there. Yeah. Yep. 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 Anyway. (laughs) Your final demigod. Uh, I thought we'd end on on, on the most famous one. The most famous demigod, son of Zeus, uh, his strength and heroics have been immortalized in countless adaptations from animated Disney musicals to campy adventures with Xena Warrior Princess to campy animated musicals with Xena Warrior Princess. It, Who? Is it Her- Hercules? Hercules or Heracles, Hercules. It's depending on whatever, on how pedantic the person you're talking to is. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yes. Hercules. Queer? Another himbo ally? Oh, Who know? Oh, he's a... Uh, I just think about, like, what... I feel like he needs to prove his manhood. He feels compelled to prove his manhood. Um, you see mm. constantly with, you know, the, the outfit and the kind of wooing. Um, he might be overcompensating. You know, uh, perhaps I'm not as familiar with Heracles, Hercules as perhaps others are. So if others want to weigh in, that might be best. Well, uh, my only real experience with him is the Disney movie. And again, the um, severely campy TV show starring Kevin Sorbo. Kevin Sorbo, definitely not an ally. Hercules, however, Mm, does have... who I believe is essentially a boyfriend in the show, and does team up with Xena, who straight up is a lesbian. Yeah. And those shows are just so campy that I want to believe that there is some inherent queerness that just rubs off on the character. Yeah, I buy it. I'm here for that. I feel like Hercules is that gay person who never comes out, and then he brings his boyfriend along, and you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, he's not, he's, he's not loud about it. It's a very, it's, he's like a quiet gay. I I could be here for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he, you've only ever known him to date women. And then, like, one day, he's like, oh, yeah, this is my boyfriend. We've been going out for, like, a couple weeks now. And you're just like, boyfriend? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's it. That's exactly it. I love it. All right. Congratulations! I think you you nailed demi demi gods. Yay! <laughs> I'm gonna put it on my CV. <laughs> yes, Please. right under your name. Yes. Oh gosh! Uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Jacqueline. Is there anything you want to plug, like a social media or project or anything like that? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacqueline A. Siegel. I I bitch about academia on there, but mostly just. Be nice to each other. Particularly be nice to queer folks. Um, Be nice to women and non-binary people. Um, Be nice to men who deserve it. And uh, and, uh, stay home and, you know, deal, deal with it. It's much better to be healthy and to be safe and to not infect other people, potentially, um, or to get sick sick yourself uh, than, you know, 10 minutes of social interaction. No one is worth it. People are bad. (laughs) Dang. All right. No one is worth it. People are bad. That's a... Um, I want that on a shirt. (laughs) Uh, 
If you want to tweet more queer Greek myths at me, I'm on Twitter at underscore glittergoblin underscore, and I link to my other social medias from there. And you can find My Gay Agenda on iTunes and Spotify. While you're there, why not give us a rating, a follow, whatever it is those respective platforms offer. Um, It's a good way to keep track of when it is we're releasing episodes, whenever that is, which, by the way, thank you recently for... Uh, your flexibility in terms of release dates, because time is odd right now and working in odd ways. So thank you for your patience. Um, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter.com uh, with the handle uh, Gay Agenda Cast, and you can find us on Patreon, much like Rachel. Uh, Hmm. What's the? I was trying to say that Rachel is a himbo, but Rachel uses she/her. But I didn't want to say shimbo because <laughs> shim is sort of like not great. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the traditional female version of himbo is bimbo, but there's no such thing as bim pronouns. <laughs> well, yet. So I'll, <laughs> I I will I'll call Rachel a himbo, and Rachel will get it anyway. Rachel, himbo Higgins. And Tiny Snail <laughs> are both support us on Patreon, along with many other folks. Um, so feel free to hop on there. It's a real hoot. Yeah. Uh, until next time, put this on your gay agenda. Fight the power. Love yourself. Uh, be excellent to each other. Yeah. yeah. Like Bill and Ted. Is that the Bill and Ted thing? It is the Bill and Ted thing. Of course it's the Bill and Ted. You want himbos. No, they're not buff enough. And that's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. That's our gay agenda. We just want to exist. Hmm. So sorry. Um, It's okay. I heard pounding. I wasn't sure if it was my landlord at my door just with a move today. Um, Ah. Wait, are you moving today? Yeah. <laughs> Jacqueline, we didn't have to schedule for today. <laughs> it's been, I didn't know. It was a whole thing. Anyway, I, um, I can answer the question. <laughs>